today. And I can feel his presence in this place today. Hallelujah. Oh, that makes everything better when Jesus is in the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And it is such a honor and privilege to be here today. And uh, I want to say how much I appreciate Elder Riggin and uh, this good church and all that you have already done. Make our stay so wonderful. And uh, when I got here, uh, Elder Riggin told me he had uh, been on a shake fast for 10 days and uh, no, no uh, regular food to speak of. And I didn't tell him this. <laughs> I didn't tell him this. And it was, more, it was broken up, but I had fasted for 10 days. So I was hungry too, praise the Lord. And uh, he started taking us to this place and that. And hospitality has been wonderful. And uh, I can certainly say how blessed we feel to be here today. And uh, so thankful for Sister Riggin and, and their family and this good church. I'm grateful to have my wife here, my little boys, Jonathan and Judah. And uh, it's always a blessing to be with them. And I want to give honor also to the ministry that's here. And I would gladly relinquish this spot uh, and hand over the mic. And uh, I, I hope that you'll help me here today. And I hope that you're not expecting Jonathan Alviar or Raul Alviar Jr. As I am neither one of those. Praise the Lord. But I did come to preach today. I came to preach today. And uh, I have a, a burden on my heart for young people. I, I still count myself as one. I don't know if I look like one anymore. But I still count myself as one. And, uh, and I appreciate these good men having a burden for young people. But if there's anything I know about young people, they don't like preaching that's sugar-coated. And uh, so I haven't come to play patty cake today. I've come right. to preach. I've come to preach. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you will turn in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, a very familiar scripture, Psalms chapter number 1. If you have it, say amen. amen. Psalms chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Focusing back up on verse number three, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Praise the Lord. Amen. And I want to preach for a little while here today on this subject, the fruitful tree. Praise the Lord, the fruitful tree. Can you lift your hands right now and ask God to have his way? 
Come on, everybody, lift your hands and lift your voice. be seated today. The psalmist David has been studied and analyzed perhaps as much or more than any other character in the Bible. And his writings and songs speak to us uh, today, I believe, just as forcefully as they ever have. Uh, but there is a great movement afoot that uh, desires to paint David as the quintessential praiser. And I believe that he was. He was a man who understood uh, what it was to praise the Lord and to worship him and to give glory to his name. I, I like the way he describes the Lord. I like the way he speaks of him. I like the way the Psalms go. And you can tell there's a shout in David's voice. But I would like to point out to you that this book of Psalms uh, does not begin uh, with, uh, with, with timbrel and lyre. It doesn't begin with uh, an ode uh, to worship and praise. And uh, uh, this, this collection of 150 Psalms instead begins with an ode to the law. And it highlights David's law, uh, love for the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. And it is... This love that creates the fruitful tree, hallelujah, that he uh, speaks of, this allegory that he paints. And it is the fruitful tree that I would like to uh, 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 speak to you about today. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want to tell you a story about a man by the name of William who lived uh, in England in the 1500s. Uh, his death was remarkable. He had languished in an English prison for some 500 days. Uh, his treatment was questionable, but it is unrecorded. We do know that at the end of the 500 days of imprisonment, he was brought out of his cell, and there was such angst against him that he was strangled to death, most possibly, most probably by hand. And yet that was not enough for the angry mob that had gathered there to witness his execution that day. He was then burned at the stake, praise the Lord, and, and he died there that day. Uh, historians record that his last words were, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. And uh, he was a 42-year-old man, and he died 478 years ago on October 6th, praise the Lord. And so you would think that a man in a position like that, receiving the punishment that he had received must have been a murderer. Maybe he was a rapist or maybe he uh, uh, was a thief. But uh, if you look into the pages of history, you will find 
that the crime that William had committed was that he was a publisher. He had published a book that was castigated by the Catholic Church. Uh, it was uh, cast aside by the English monarchy and all levels of political authority in that day uh, chastised what he had published. You see, he had published a book that for simple possession of that book you were to be sentenced to death by being burned at the stake. Praise the Lord. And you would think that a book like that maybe uh, was uh, about sorcery or maybe it was uh, uh, written against uh, the church of that day or, or maybe it was written against the king of England. But it was uh, actually a New Testament that he had published in English for the first time. English people would be able to open a Bible and read its pages for themselves. Uh, he was the first man to actually do so from the Hebrew and Greek texts. And the very news of his project caused such trouble in the land that warrants were issued for him. Uh, there were inquisitors and bounty hunters on his tail and they were tracing him down. But it was eventually one of his own associates that would turn him in and uh, it would result in his execution. This man was William Tyndale, praise the Lord. Uh, but you have to realize what his goal was. You see, up until his day, the Bible was some, uh, 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 this was some fettered thing that the average common man could never read or attain to, praise the Lord. In fact, the most of their lives, the only Bible they would ever see was a gigantic Bible chained to a pulpit and written in Latin. So they could not read it nor understand it. They could not obtain it. They were never permitted to peruse its pages, praise the Lord. And so when uh, he began to publish this New Testament in English, the Catholic Church realized that they had been exposed. They were no longer able to control access to the scriptures. They couldn't just chain it to a pulpit and expect everybody to believe what somebody said about what was in its pages, praise the Lord. They realized that they could no longer scripturally justify the indulgences which were uh, uh, you could buy the ability to sin. And, and so they realized that, that if somebody began to read, they would see the indulgences that they had been offering were unbiblical. And the invention of purgatory, someplace between a, a, a life and, a, a, and hell or heaven where you could uh, pray somebody into one spot or another. Uh, and these things were, were salvation, basically, by purchase. You could pay donations to be saved. And so they realized that, that this would uh, no longer be able they, uh, to, to happen. They saw uh, that the veneration of Mary and the canonization of the saints would be called into question. And so they were afraid that because of this wisdom and knowledge that their power and authority would crumble. And so they confiscated the Bibles that, that were there. They punished people with death by burning at the stake for possessing them. And they, the public persona that they tried to put out there concerning their actions was that they were confiscating these Bibles because of errors. But secret writings of the church at that day showed that their trouble was 
They couldn't find any error in the scriptures. And so they were troubled with what uh, people would be able to do. You see, what Tyndale had done was that he had put the hand, the Bible, in the hands of the common man. Praise the Lord. History records uh, an exchange one day between one of the major clergy of that day and Tyndale. And uh, this man was trying to impress upon him the importance, uh, the political expediency uh, of what he was doing. And he said to him, he said, we had better be without God's laws than the Pope's. Saying it's better to have the Pope's laws than God's laws. But Tyndale responded, I defy the Pope and all his laws. And if God spares my life, ere many years I will cause the boy that driveth the plow to know more of the scripture than thou dost. Hallelujah. Thank God there's still some boys who can handle a plow. Amen. Who understand the word of God. You can be a common person. You can be a simple person. Hallelujah. You can, you can be without all of the things that the world looks at. But if you've got a Bible in your hand, hallelujah, you can understand the word of the Lord. So this man named Tyndale, he is often credited with the helping uh, to solidify the beginnings of what became known as the Protestant movement, which literally protested the Catholic Church. And so uh, from that time, there would be other translations that would be done. In fact, when King James commissioned the translation of the word of the Lord, he, tra he had five, 54 translators hired. And their task was not only to read the Hebrew and Greek, but it was to actually compare their findings with what Tyndale had written. Because you see, he also was looking for some excuses in what Tyndale had to say. But once it was all done, estimates are that some 83% of the New Testament and some 76% of the Old Testament are actually Tyndale's translations. He was a man who had a deep love for the Word of God. In fact, he is credited for creating the English word atonement, which he had no other word for at that time. He literally put words together that said, at one meant. He had a desire for men to be like the Lord, wanted them to be, praise the Lord. And so uh, the availability of the word of God was greatly helped by his efforts. But you see, a lot of things have transpired since Tyndale's time. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. You can look uh, at the history books and see that Bibles were scarce. The printing was difficult. They were very expensive to obtain. Many of them were hand copied. And then by the time they were able to invent the printing press, uh, it was still very expensive and still very cumbersome. But today, technology has made it so much more available. You can find Bibles for sale at Walmart. My wife and I were walking through Dollar Tree some time ago, and I looked down on the floor, on the floor, in a box at the bottom of a shelf, and there was dozens of Bibles that were sale, uh, for sale for a single dollar. You don't have to be rich to obtain the Word of God. A single dollar can buy you a copy of the Word of the Lord. Uh, every major bookstore uh, has a large selection 
of sizes and translations and different qualities of workmanship. Bibles are available for pickup and literally every major hotel chain. You can open the bedside drawer and pick out a Gideon Bible that you can take home for free. You can find it for free for download on every smartphone in the land. There's free computer software. You can even just search it on a computer browser. Praise the Lord. And it is unusual for there to be only one copy of the Word of God in any home. Well, praise the Lord. It's much more available now. Amen. I, I, I began to take some sort of a personal uh, 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 purveying of my Bibles at home to see what I had. I found that I had two, personally, two Thompson Chain Bibles, two Schofield Bibles, one Cambridge, one Dake, one Full Color Study Bible, one Slimline Nelson, one of my own children's Bibles, my grandfather's last Bible. I even had a comic book Bible I bought out of curiosity. Well, praise the Lord. I have three Bible apps on my personal cell phone, two on my work cell phone, five Bible apps on this iPad. I've got eSword on my home uh, desktop and on my laptop, which has, uh, at the last count, I did 28 free translations of the Word of God. It is available today at such an easy, easy access. Praise the Lord. And you would think that something like that would be so absorbed by the public. And yet even in the apostolic church, it is still one of the least read books on our shelves. Forgive me today, I haven't come with some unique revelation, but I've come with a burden for the word of the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. I think we would be embarrassed today if we took a survey to see who in this building today had read, read one single shred of scripture before you walked in this service today. It's so available. It's so available. Praise the Lord. But it's unusual to find anybody who has a hunger for what is on the pages of this holy book. Well, praise the Lord. Is anybody here but preachers in the house? Anybody else have a love for the word of the Lord? Praise the Lord. You see, it would be one thing if it was just simply a matter that we did not have a hunger for the word of the Lord. But this lack of desire to read the Bible has led to mass confusion and the spread of false doctrine in the Christian community and in later days, even now, in the apostolic church. There is a price that is being paid for a lack of desire for the word of the Lord and a lack of scriptural knowledge in our midst. Amen. I'm here to tell you, false doctrine is rampant in our churches today. Praise the Lord. I said it's rampant in the church today. I wonder sometimes if it's even more than in the denominal realm because a lot of them seem fixed. But in apostolic church, there is this flighty questioning of everything that we've ever held dear. And you find, I believe, that it could be traced back to a lack of knowledge of what is on these holy pages. Oh, we've come a long ways from the days when the Catholic Church was afraid that people would rebel if they read the word of the Lord. Now, we have folks who sit on our pews who never read it despite the availability that we have. 
Oh, I'm telling you, there's a reason why people are looking for teachers having itching ears. Because they have no idea what's on these pages. They just hear somebody preach and they say amen and they walk out the door. But the next time some slick snake oil salesman walks their way, they're ready to leave everything they've ever been taught. Well, praise the Lord, somebody. Amen. There are mega churches today that are built by men who are great motivational speakers. They can write books and they can make television appearances, but you will be hard pressed to get them to quote a single scripture. Well, praise the Lord. Well, we are in the age of the catchphrase. Of catchphrase making book writing mega star preachers who can get on television and when somebody will ask them is Jesus the only way they fumble and they, and they, they, uh, they vacillate I wonder if it's because they never have actually read where Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life and no man will enter hallelujah outside of me I wonder if they've ever read the scripture that says I am the door and any man who goes in any other way is a thief and a robber. Anybody believe what I'm saying here today? Praise the Lord. I heard the other day, well actually, I won't say it's the other day, a couple months back now, of a missionary that visited an apostolic church. And you know missionaries, you can attest to this, that there is, there is some, some desire in them to, to not start any fusses or any fights. Yeah. Amen. They want to come in, uh, talk about what is going on in their country, preach a good solid message, and get out. Yeah. <laughs> no collateral damage. So this man walks to the pulpit. He opens his Bible. He greets the people. He reads his text. And from one side of the platform, the pastor hollers out, I don't care what the Bible says, I'm right. Without knowing it, that missionary had opened the word of God and, and, and just in one moment picked a scripture which knocked down his little pet doctrine. Well, praise the Lord. I'm here to tell you today, there is a lack of desire in Pentecost to know what is on the pages of this holy book. Oh, hallelujah. You know what? I charge preachers who will do such a thing. But I also charge churches who can sit there on the pews and listen to tripe come across the desk and never point out what thus saith the word of the Lord and never take a stand on it. I'm not preaching for rebellion. I'm not trying to propagate rebellion. I'm trying to propagate the word of the Lord. Well, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I am startled by recent revelations among some men that they now are saying that it's okay to have confessions of faith where you get up and say, I believe, or I accept, or I will do. Amen. The only way for you to find salvation is to repent at an apostolic altar. Be baptized in that holy saving name. And you must be filled with the Holy Ghost.
Jesus told Nicodemus, except you be born again of water and the Spirit, you not only will never see it, but you will never enter into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I'm tired of pop psychology. I'm tired of, of, of well, hallelujah. I'm tired of tight-panted uh, little pantywaist preachers getting up to preach. Amen. Give me the unadulterated word of God. Stand and preach without fear or favor and tell me what God has to say and use scripture to do it. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. You can stand the shit. It doesn't bother me. Praise the Lord. And I'll tell you this. I know that there may be some today that are saying, what does this have to do with a youth meeting? Why would you preach a message like that to the youth? Well, let me tell you why. Because in the midst of all of this uh, lack of desire for the word of God, there has risen among us a generation of spiritual midgets. They can't pray their way out of a wet paper bag. They think that church is all about this and none about getting on their knees. They think it's all about their clothes and nothing about saying amen and then living it. Praise the Lord. And so they, if you ask them why they believe thus and such, they will say, well, my pastor says it. Pastor said this and I felt the Holy Ghost said, I believe it, but, but I really can't personally explain it to you. There's one God, but you really need to come here, pastor, preach on it. Well, praise the Lord. I believe in holiness and I dress this way because the pastor requires it. Can I tell you what we need today is a group of young people to raise up who can say, amen, this is what the Bible says. This is where you find it. Well, hallelujah. The Bible gives us command that we should be able at any time to give a reason of the hope that lies within us. You ought to be able to be like a preacher who was stopped on a road. Amen. When an Ethiopian unit came by and he said, where are you reading? And he said, I'm reading here. And he preached from there. Jesus. You ought to be able to tell anybody you come across why you dress the way you dress, why you live the way you live. Hallelujah. You ought to be able to give anybody a Bible study at any moment's notice about the gifts of the Spirit, about the workings of the Holy Ghost in the church, and the necessity of being baptized in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. I find it amazing. That in the middle of that group of young people who has risen up among us, who can't give a reason of the hope, that they are the first ones to question holiness stands. They're the first ones to be rebellious. Their parents are the first ones in the cars who are undermining the preacher before they even pull out of the parking lot. They're the ones who want prominence in the church. They're the ones who want position and authority. They're the ones who want recognition. Hallelujah. I tell you what we need more than recognition. We need an understanding and a love for the word of God. Hallelujah. I'm tired of talking to young people. 
who don't even know that in the beginning the word was God. Forget starting in the middle somewhere. They don't even know how to start with the beginning. Well, praise the Lord. Oh, there ought to be some young person here in this place. If there's only one, I will feel like the mission has been accomplished. But surely there is one young person here today. And as I'm preaching, you are getting a hunger for the things of God and a hunger for the word of God. Praise the Lord. You're going to quit arguing standards and you're going to start arguing scripture. Well, hallelujah. You're going to quit worrying about what other folks think of you. You're going to start worrying what God thinks of you. You're going to forget all about those sports stats and you're going to start quoting the Beatitudes. Hallelujah. And you're going to start quoting the Ten Commandments and you're going to know what book comes after what book. Hallelujah. Because you've got a hunger for the Word of God in your life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm trying to be apolitical here today. But I will say this. Amen. It troubles me that there are a lot of so-called Christian schools being raised up. And I'm hearing from them about books they're studying. If you want to study psychology, that's fine. You can go ahead and do that. Amen. But I like what Tyndale said one time. He decided to go and join a theology course. But by the time it was over, he complained. They have ordained that no man shall look on the scripture until he be nozzled in heathen learning eight or nine years and armed with false principles with which he is clean shot of the understanding of the scripture. Amen. So it is today. By the time our young people get out of 12 grades of school and by the time they get out of college they've had in them a good mix and a great recipe for the carnal mind. Oh praise the Lord. If your kids are in public school or if they're in a church school you parents need to take responsibility and talk about this in the morning when you rise up and talk about it when you go down to sleep at night. You talk about it at the dinner table. You talk about it on the way to church and you talk about it on your way home from church and you let your children be saturated with Holy Ghost filled word of God. Praise the Lord. Oh, amen. Oh, amen. I'm reading these days about this new common car school uh, work and my children are old enough for me to really have to experience it. Amen. But I uh, I believe that when they are done, they are trying to raise up a group of people who will say, it is the government that provides for me. Can I tell you, despite who's in office, despite what political party is in charge, it is not government gyra, it's Jehovah gyra. There is nothing this world can give me that is any better than what my God can give me. There is nothing you can put in my pocketbook or in my bank account that is better than what I can get when I open the word of God. Amen. I don't care what your schools of higher learning have to say. Amen. It is still God who saves and sanctifies. It is still God who gives us his blood to wash away every sin stain. Hallelujah. And remits our sin from us. And if he can give me that, and if he can take away sins, hallelujah. Thank God for Jehovah Jireh. 
Praise God. Praise God. Amen. This, these young people today, you are going to need someday a love for the things of God. I'm going I'm to argue today that that moment is now. But someday you are going to need it. If you don't dedicate yourself to it now, there's going to be some trial where the pastor's going to walk in the door and you're going to be doubled over an altar crying and begging God for some kind of direction when you could have had it a long time ago. Any adults here verify what I'm talking about here? You're going to need the Lord someday. You're going to need the word of God someday. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. I like it when young kids get a desire to read their Bible through. You may not understand it all, but there's going to come a day when you are going to reach back to some principles you read in the Word of God, and they're going to carry you. They are going to carry you. Well, praise the Lord. It's like the man who wanders out into the middle of the desert. And then he gets out there and realizes he should have brought some water. Oh, can I tell you that we live in a spiritual desert. David said, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. Amen. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is. You think he was talking about just a physical desert? He was talking about a spiritual desert as well. Amen. What you need today is to get you something that will carry you when the dark times come. The writer said, while the evil day has come not, you need to get you a love for the word of God. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm talking about a love for the things of God. Hallelujah. Or a love for the word of the Lord. Amen. It is a true reflection of the worth of the word when we need him the most and we get down on our knees and seek him. Oh, that is, hallelujah, that is the definition of it. When you know that there's nowhere else to turn to and there's no one else who's got an answer. But the, the real wealth and determination is not made by some kid who's got his mind on every carnal thing and would just leave the Bible in a hot car all week long and only bring it in on church times. They're not the ones who get to decide the worth of the word of the Lord. Amen. The worth of the word is found from a young person to a senior saint who finally opens the word of God and they begin to read and scriptures begin to come at them and it begins to shore up the walls of their heart. It begins to strengthen them and direct them and keep them and secure them. Praise the Lord. Young people, I want you to know today that heaven and earth will pass away. But the Lord said, my word shall never pass away. Never. Hallelujah. You realize that that means that everything you can see and touch and taste and feel, that someday that is not going to exist any longer. But the one thing that is forever settled is the word of God. Oh, and you would do well to look around your life. You think that everything is set and it's always going to be the way it is now. I'm here to tell you, honey, things are going to change. But if you want something that's never going to change, a foundation, hallelujah, 
like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You can turn to the word. You can turn to the good book and focus on your life on it and see God plant you and strengthen you. I find it amazing that Psalms 138 and 2, the Lord, David said, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. I know the power of his name. That's a powerful scripture. Hallelujah. I've seen people be healed when the name of the Lord was called. Anybody ever call it yourself? Call on the name? Oh, hallelujah. But the, the writer said, Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. As great and powerful as his name is, the word has been magnified even greater. I'm going to tell you, you ought to magnify the word yourself. You can never go to seed when reading the word of the Lord. You never waste time when you pick up that holy book and immerse yourself in its pages. Praise the Lord. Oh, it makes me wonder if, if we love his word like he loves his word. I said it makes me wonder if we love his word like he loves his word. Amen. The text that we read today illustrates the power of a love for the word of the Lord. Verse 1 describes the man. Verse 1 and 2. Blessed is the man. Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Oh, there's a lot of people that would like to portray and paint that kind of lifestyle as a waste of time. Oh, if there's a young person here today that decides to dedicate themselves to the word, you are going to fight family members and friends and associates. You might fight some co-workers. You might fight all kinds of forces who will tell you it's a waste of time to read the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. But the Bible, the text that we read today, it gives the proof of it. It says the benefits of it. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Is there anybody today who would like some of those benefits in your life? Oh, to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Hallelujah. Have fruit that comes out when it's seasonal. Hallelujah. And leaves that do not wither. And whatever you're going to do, it's going to prosper. I wonder if there's any apostolics here today who have learned to trust the word and trust the promises of God and say if the Bible says it, these are the promises I want in my life. I have no doubt today that there are young people who will leave this church. Sad as it is, you will leave this service the same way you came. You've already done it from so many services before. One after another. 
week after week, going home unchanged and indifferent. But I want you to see today what the Bible says. I mentioned this to the local church here Thursday night. I find it interesting that sometimes we learn from the Word of God based on what it says. And sometimes we learn based on what it does not say. I want you to note that in this passage, the Bible does not say that the ungodly are like the withered tree whose leaves have fallen off. It doesn't say the length of tree that you go up to and there's just never any fruit on it. That's not what it says. The Bible says that the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. The chaff is the husk of the seed, maybe of wheat, that is uh, separated from the wheat itself by winnowing or threshing. In those days, they would gather the wheat in a large room and they would take threshers and they would literally whisk the wheat and they would flay it until it would be separated from the chaff and then they would sift it until the fruit of that wheat had been taken away. And then the chaff of the wheat was good for nothing. The chaff which the wind driveth away. There is nothing productive. There is nothing fruitful about chaff. Hallelujah. It is good for nothing. It's been broken and battered. And now it is driven away by the wind. If you've lived for God any length of time, no doubt you've seen backsliders fill this same role. Something happened to them where they quit being the fruitful tree. And then they got degraded somehow until they were like the chaff. And the wind drives them away. And all that is productive and all that is fruitful is dried up and separated from them. And they are left like the chaff, which the wind driveth away. And I want you to notice the scriptural key that we find here. The ungodly are not so. Why are they ungodly? They are different from the godly man. For the godly man is standing not in the way of sinners. He's sitting not on the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in it does he meditate day and night. Oh, that ought to put fear in every apostolic heart today. Say, God, help me to not be the ungodly. But help me to love your word. And meditate on it day and night. Just like charismatic, the churches that go charismatic, you see them. They have every appearance of being an apostolic church. The music sounds right. The preaching sounds right. The look looks right. But when they get done, hallelujah. When they get done with themselves, they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. I've been with my dad before driving by places and he said, there used to be a church. Well, there used to be a church. And some of the greatest churches in Pentecost are like that, where sometimes not even the building remains because they are like the ungodly. The chaff which the wind driveth away. Young people, you've got a decision to make today. You can either fall in love with the Word of God or you can, let, you can let your lack of love for the Word of the Lord destroy you and destroy your life. 
Oh, I just believe that somewhere here today on these pews is somebody who desires to be productive in the kingdom of God. Joshua 1 and 8 gives us the definition of true success. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, it's the only scripture in the Bible that uses the word success. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I wonder if David had been contemplating that scripture, and maybe he began to think about that verse when he began to write, Blessed is the man. Hallelujah. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in it, it doth he meditate day and night. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you there is a marked blessing for those who will dedicate themselves to the love of the word of God. I come from Conyers, Georgia. One of the uh, cities that make up the metroplex of Atlanta. Atlanta today is rife with false doctrine and error. Praise the Lord. And the prosperity preachers kind of hit a road bump in 2008. Slightly. Amen. But I want to tell you, this is real prosperity preaching. This is real prosperity preaching. Then thou shalt have true success. If you want to be successful, you may not know right now what you're going to be in life, what course you're going to take, if you're going to go to college or not, what you will study if you do, who you're going to marry, what kind of car you're going to drive, what kind of clothes you're going to buy. You may not know all of those pieces yet. They may seem so far away from you. I'm telling you today, the first thing and best thing you could do is if you would go home and pick up your Bible and say, come what may, I'm going to fall in love with this book. I'm going to have success in my life. Let me tell you, success is not determined by folks around you. It isn't determined by the clothes you wear. It isn't determined by the car you drive. It isn't determined by the home you live in. But it is determined by whether or not you've got a love for the things of God. Just going to be just a little bit more here today. Think about the story in the book of Matthew, chapter 21. Jesus is walking by the way. Some say that the tree he came across bear fruit only once occasionally. Maybe it had fruit on it continuously. I don't know whether or not that's the case, but the Bible says that when Jesus saw the fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. And he said unto it, let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. I believe that when God was done with it, there was nothing to indicate there'd ever been a tree there before. Like the chaff that the wind drives away. 
I came here today and I was not going to tell this story because it's a personal and I don't believe in telling personal stories by and large. Hope you'll forgive me here today. But I came in this building today and I felt to tell the story, so I'm going to tell it. Last year, or I guess at the end of 2012, our church, the church that my dad pastors has been under tremendous duress. I won't go into all the circumstances today, but suffice it to say they lost a pastor 50 years due to immorality. And in the process, some of the biggest tithes payers got up and walked out the door to find a loose liberal church to go to. And they would come back every now and again and laugh and mock, visit the churches and the church services and just point to people and talk. The church came under a tremendous financial duress. And I've always given everything that the Bible asks of me to give. And at this point, because of our move to Conyers, I had no more to give. And I remember one night, my wife and I, we walked our neighborhood for exercise. And I remember one night I was walking the neighborhood and I told my wife, I said, I wish I had more to give the kingdom of God. I wish I could make more money to help our church. And I felt the Lord deal with my heart to read the word of the Lord, to dedicate myself to reading the Bible. I've read the Bible through many times before. But I felt a special desire to read the word of God. This was at the end of the year and, and folks were making plans and pledging amounts and doing what we could to help keep the church afloat. And, and I didn't have anything extra to give the Lord. And so I decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to download this app called YouVersion. It's got these 45-day plans where you could read the Bible through, actually 90-day plans, where you could read the Bible through in 90 days. And I opened the Bible and I started reading. And I read and I read. And suddenly in my heart there, there rose up a hunger for what I was reading. I found myself reading at stoplights. I found myself reading at lunchtime. I read in the morning. I read at nighttime. My wife can tell you I sat and read and read and read the word of God. And that 90-day plan went by. And I picked it up and I read it again. And then I read it again. By the time I was done, I had read the Bible three times in 120 days. I fell in love again yeah, with yeah. the Word of God. Hallelujah. Oh. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I fell in love with it all over again. Yeah. And I read verses, and you, you can say this about any time you read the Word of God, but I read verses I've read a thousand times, and they came alive to me in ways they had never come alive before. And let me tell you what began to happen. I was working as a banker for a well-known bank. If I said it, you'd know the name. And, and, I, and we had come through a bad economy. It had been hard to make the obligations and the goals they had set for me. But I found that as I began to read, I started making bonuses I didn't even know existed because I believe I invested myself in the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, I'm nothing special. I'm made of the same flesh as everybody here in this room today. But if you will immerse yourself in the word of God, you too will be like the tree planted by the rivers of water, whose leaf does
does not wither, hallelujah, who bears fruit in his season, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I wonder today if I can challenge some young people. Amen. Maybe you came to hear a message that will make you shout and run the aisles. I came to preach a message to get somebody here today to fall on your knees and make a commitment to God. I will read. I will study. I will fall in love with the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. This is more important than anything else I could say to you today. Amen. I could preach on holiness. I could preach on worship. I could pat you on the back and make you feel good. I'm here to tell you that will not make you prosper. I've come to preach to you that you must fall in love with the word of God. I'm trying to warn somebody here today. You're in danger of becoming like the chaff that the wind drives away. But today you can make a decision. I'm going to read and love the word of the Lord. I'm almost done. Amen. You understand, most of everybody here today, if you've been in church, you probably know who my daddy is. Amen. A great preacher. I come from, I'm fourth generation apostolic on both sides. I have grown up in church. My dad was an evangelist when I was a boy. I have slept under more church pews than I can remember services. And I've experienced that I've seen, I've felt at one of the moments in my life that brought me the, the greatest amount of conviction came when I was sitting at a youth event one night playing Bible trivia with some new converts and they were whipping me. And in my heart there rose up a hunger. If there is, I've been in church all my life. I've been to Sunday school in places I can't even remember where the places are. I've sat in more services than I can count. I've heard messages all my life. But why is this person who's never been in church a day in their life? Hallelujah. Why are they starting to beat me at Bible trivia? I'm here to tell you today that I don't care what your lineage is. You need to get a hunger for the word of God. I don't care if you can count it back four, five, six generations. Hallelujah. I don't care if your mom and dad hate the fact you even come to church. If you're the first person in your family, this is for everybody here today. You need to fall in love with the word of God. I'm going to be plain and honest here today. 
It felt like I left behind a lot of what I thought my life and ministry would become. We left the church I had grown up in. I, we moved there right before I turned five. My dad took the, the church soon after. Amen. We, I grew up there. I went to school all the way through school. I went to college all the way through college. Got married. Had my first baby there. Amen. Started preaching back in 2001. And I felt like I left behind a lot of things. Amen. And at that time period when I was reading the Bible. Amen. I found a scripture I had leaned on before. Hallelujah. And I found that it spoke to me again. It was 2 Timothy 2 and 15. It said, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. I don't care today if you've made so many mistakes, you can't count them. I don't care if you've been in your pastor's office with shame all over your face more times than you care to remember. Amen. I'm here to tell you, I don't care what your past is. Amen. I don't know what's in your future. But I can tell you that if you will pick that book up and study it, you can show yourself to be approved unto God. It doesn't matter who approves on you. It doesn't matter if they would put the check back, checkbook, check mark by your name in the book of life. I'm here to tell you, if you will study, God will let you be approved unto him. As everybody stands today, would you lift your hands for just a moment? Everybody close your eyes, lift your hands, and talk to the Lord. Study the word of God. 